Hello, ladies, and God bless you. I know it's been a while that we've been together, but I wanted to pick up where we left off with Proverbs 6. Now, Proverbs 6 is broken into two separate categories. One is a warning against folly, and another is a warning against adultery. Today, we're going to take a look at Warnings Against Folly. So snuggle in and listen up. Open up your Bibles, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 6. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. And Lord, we thank you for your word that comes alive more and more every time that we open up your word. And we sit before you today, O God, underneath the open heaven. And we ask you, Lord, to minister to our hearts in a very special way about this thing called folly and how easy it is sometimes to fall into it when we consider ourselves wise in our own eyes or in no way do we acknowledge you as we step forward every day yielding and surrendering to your most good and perfect will for our lives, we have the tendency of falling into folly. Help us, O God, discern within our own lives those things, Lord, that are keeping us from living a righteous life, one that is fully, fully in you. Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Proverbs 6, verses 1 through 4. My son, if you've put security for your neighbor, if you have shaken hands for a pledge of a stranger... If you've been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, to free yourself, since you've already fallen into your neighbor's hands. Go to the point of exhaustion and give your neighbor no rest. Allow no sleep to your eyes and no slumber to your eyelids. Ladies, what we're looking at here is being cautious to the words that we use and being cautious to the commitments that we make. You know, you're like me. You probably have a tendency of overcommitting sometimes. <laughs> Having a difficult time saying no. Well, I think it's something that we struggle with because as women, often we find ourselves in a position of constantly attempting to please others. Am I speaking to anybody today? And if we're nurturing and we're loving and we're your typical female, where we have this instinctual mothering and this instinctual way of caring for people, so much so that we come to a point of wanting to promise them the world and intending full and well to deliver it. We have to be 
we have to be cautious that we don't bind ourselves to a commitment or bind ourselves to something that we may not have the capacity, there's a word, to actually deliver. The Bible tells us that allow our yes to be yes and our no to be no. It's a matter of being definitive. It's a matter of being discerning, qualifying what it is that's being placed before you. If it's good, if it's honorable, if it's something worth doing. Sometimes it's a commitment we make with our mouths, just in in good nature, saying that we'll be there for someone when we we know we're already stretched. Or we'll pray for you when we don't. We have to be cautious because it's our integrity, it's our witness that's on the line. When we commit to things that are outside of what God has ordained for us and what he's equipped us for, even in this season, we have a tendency of stepping into something that may not be for us. Well, maybe you've placed yourself in that position out of a necessity. Maybe no one else will step up and do it. So you felt, okay, I'm led. I just got to do it. Well, be careful. Be careful. You place yourself in a position of obligation. Sometimes it's absent of heart. What the Bible's warning us against here is that we make a pledge. We become basically a debtor to our own words and to our own commitments that we may not have thought completely through. To be cautious. But if you end up doing that, do it with everything that you've got. If you end up doing that, stick to that promise. Stick to your word. Your word, your name, your integrity, your witness, your accountability, who you are as a person, the very dynamic and DNA of who you are made in the perfect, beautiful image of our creator is on the line. So make sure that if you, you say yes, that you follow through. And if you say no, you also follow through. And just to make sure that it's a no that is sound and it's made with sound judgment and sound reasoning. Moving on to verse 5. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of a hunter and like a bird from the snare of the fowler. You know, we hear snare of the fowler in Psalm 91, which is a psalm of protection. It's a prayer of protection. And if you haven't had a chance to go back and read it, I encourage you to. I encourage you to speak Psalm 91 over your home, over your relationship, over your children, over your ministries, over your vocation, over your talents, over your skills, over those things that which take up residency in your life. Because the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he has multiple ways 
of showing folly as an enticement to Christ's followers. We have to be awake to recognize it. When we free ourselves from the snare of the fowler, we're freeing ourselves from an actual noose. That's what snare means. It's a noose. It's a way of capturing capturing and containing and um, keeping hold of and basically killing a bird. So we have to be extraordinarily careful that when we get entrapped and we know that we're entrapped, sometimes our words do exactly that. They entrap us. That there's times that we say, oh, how am I going to get out of this? I made a commitment that I, I can't, I can't be part of, or that I've made a place myself in a position of a bad one. This is what he's talking about here is freeing yourself like a gazelle. And you know, gazelles run fast from the hand of the hunter, being able to adequately escape the enemy. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. What is he making the reference here for the ant? The ant having diligence and the ant having industry and the ant having productivity and the ant being... um, Um, focused and diligent and intentional in all that they do. Do you see the contrast to that of a sluggard or someone just goes about haphazardly into the very next thing, whatever that looks like. It's almost as if we're walking around without our emotional coffee or our spiritual coffee keeping us in a position of being tired and sluggish. What do we end up doing when we're in those positions? We can make an error in judgment, could we not? We could cut corners, could we not? Could we not take the path of least resistance instead of having focus and pushing through what we know that is going to show us a diligent end, a fruitful end, much like the ant, where it says, basically, it's not being prodded. It's not being told you need to go here. You need to go there. You need to lift this log or you need to leave, leave, uh, lift this piece of bread and bring this to your family. No, it has a task. It carries it out and it's diligent. Basically, the ant, what I'm thinking is his yes is definitely his yes. When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. I'm reading from verse 10 and verse 11. How often have we heard the terminology, don't sleep on this, 
or don't sleep on her or don't sleep on him knowing that it's the next great thing or that somebody is up and coming and don't sleep on him meaning don't turn a blind eye well when we're sluggards or we choose to basically quote-unquote sleep on something we put ourselves in a position of vulnerability the devil loves that girlfriend he loves you being in a position of vulnerability a place where he considers it to be weakness whether you're overtired you're overtasked you're overcommitted you're over fill in the blank he shows up and convinces you to not be like the ant and to overcommit and make yourself actually worn out. And when we're not putting our hand to the plow and we're not being diligent and forthright with the things that are of kingdom, whether it's our vocation or whether it's our um, our opportunity to serve in our local church or local community, we're just not taking it. We're just not taking the initiative. He goes on in verses 12 through 14 to talk about what a troublemaker and a villain does. Now he just just goes directly into it and states that their corruption begins with their mouth. And that it accompanies, or it accompanies the rest of their body. They wink with their eye. They're, they signal with their feet. And they motion with their fingers. And um, they, they plot evil deep within their heart. And they always stir up conflict. Now know that when someone is that corrupted, and they're a troublemaker, and they're a villain, they've committed to now the wrong thing. And that it encompasses all of who they are. That's what this is looking at. But when we shift to verse 15, it states, Therefore disaster will come and overtake him in an instant, and he will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. Our God is a graceful, loving, fair God. He is also wrathful and he is also a God that judges according to his standards, not ours. He decides when enough is enough. So we need to be cautious that if we find ourselves slipping into a place of destruction or we're with someone who is slipping into that place of destruction, villainizing, if you would, or vilifying, rather, their behavior. Know this, that God is watching. And that just like he has a plan to restore all of us, and he had that plan in Jesus, not everybody takes that path but God in turn issues judgment and he's going to issue judgment good or bad 
to all of us that either diligently seek him or diligently reject. This chapter, verses 16 through, I believe it is 19, yep. He talks about the sixth thing that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Again, think about the body. Think about being all in or not. The eyes are haughty. The tongue is lying. Hands that shed blood. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. And a false witness that pours out lies, of course, by their own mouth, right? And a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Have you known anyone like that? Have you yourself been redeemed from that mindset? I know I have. I used to be that kind of person that just I committed to discord. I committed to making my way, regardless of who it is I needed to step on. Yep. And I praise the Lord for helping me understand folly and keeping me from that, working on me diligently to change my heart and soften my heart to where I'm in tune to what the Spirit needs me to do. And when I step out of it, I'm quickly reminded, oh, it happens instantaneously, (laughs) that I didn't go about that correctly or say those things that I should have. The Spirit reminds me, did you go along with me, daughter, or not? Well, if I didn't, I'm going to know it. But if I do go along with Him, and if I do commit for my yes to be yes and my no to be no, because I have listened to the Spirit of God, and I have kept myself free from a snare, from an actual noose that will take me out And I have not become a sluggard and I have not sat back on my laurels or sat on my hands for any length of time. And I've remained diligent on the things that he needs me to be diligent of. And I've steered clear from the rebellious troublemaker. Then I can ensure that the seven things that the Lord detests are nowhere near my tent. Amen. I pray that this has blessed you. Thank you so much for sticking with us here at Daughter's Devotion. And I really pray that your day is filled with revelation and something anew. Make sure you share this. God bless you and may the Lord's face continue to shine upon you. Have a great day. Thank you.